Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back into the Nick Bob Podcast. I'm taping this. It's Sunday night. It is late. I just took off my suit uh, from calling the Nebraska-Maryland game on FS1. And wow, how about the fighting Fred Hoibergs? Just, it's incredible. Uh, I, I kind of am at a loss. And so I just wanted to come down into the, my, my podcast room here in my in my house and just turn on the mic and, and kind of let it rip. Uh because this is this is amazing. I, I, like I said, I was on the call. FS1, yours truly, Kevin Kugler, Nebraska, Maryland, and Nebraska beats Maryland in overtime. And it, it was you think about it, Maryland, one of the hotter teams in the Big Ten, six and one in its last seven games, heading into Lincoln, just knocked off Purdue uh, on on a few days prior to that, and Nebraska beats Maryland in Lincoln, a pinnacle big. Arena was rocking. The environment was excellent. And all of a sudden, Nebraska has some real juice, some real mojo, some real momentum. Nebraska 4-1 and one in their last five games. They've won three in a row now. And on the season, Nebraska has improved to 14-14. and 14, And they are 7-10 and 10 in conference play. And, oh, by the way, Nebraska's got Minnesota coming to Lincoln and Michigan State as well after a a little week layoff here, and they wrap the season up at Iowa. So what's amazing is, could Nebraska lose all three of those games left in the regular season? Sure, I guess, yeah. But could Nebraska also win all three of those games? Like, at this point, I don't know. At this point, it is anything's possible. Nebraska could win two, or they could go two and one in these last three games. Why the hell not? I mean, they just won at Rutgers and lit them up. They just beat Maryland. Who's you know, Maryland's going to be in the NCAA tournament. They're a projected seven seed. It's just amazing to think about the the roller coaster of of narratives. And so, I guess let's just do that. Like, I, I came down here and I, I I wrote for a little bit. I just kind of turned. I, I don't even know. Where, like I said, I don't even know where to begin in discussing this basketball team and this moment for Nebraska basketball and and Fred Hoiberg and and everybody. So I kind of just I turned this into like a stream of consciousness with like thoughts, and I'm just going to go through them. So l- let's do that with the roller coaster of of everything here. I am not going to lie to you guys. A part of the reason I'm so just like amazed is, you know. When Jawan Gary and Emmanuel Bandamel went down, I honestly thought there was a better chance that Nebraska doesn't win another game than wins two or three more games. I really thought that. I thought those two injuries were that significant. When I I was in Pinnacle Bank Arena for the Northwestern game on January 25th, and and Nebraska got popped pretty good, lost 78-63, and I truly thought, because that was, 
if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's the first game without Emmanuel Bandamel. Emmanuel Bandamel hurt his knee the, the game before that at Penn State. And so you got your first look at this new Huskers without Gary had been out for a little bit, but now Emmanuel Bandamel is out. And I'm sitting there courtside watching that game on January 25th, and I thought at the time, I think Nebraska's got a better shot to not win another game than win two more games. And here we are on you know February 19th, and Nebraska has won four more games. So I guess I wanted to kind of start with that in, in saying, like, I don't want to be disingenuous and, and act like I'm not surprised I saw this coming. I am really surprised. I did not see this coming. This has just been incredible to watch. And within that, it's it's been amazing to build off of, the, of that thought. Like, it's been amazing these last few weeks, kind of the roller coaster of the season and roller coaster of narratives and all that stuff. You go, you know, Nebraska at one point, they went one and six in a seven game stretch in the Big Ten. You lose Gary and uh, Juwan Gary and Bandamel. The topic du jour becomes is Fred Hoiberg gonna survive? Is he gonna be fired? What's gonna happen? What's Trev Alberts gonna do? To then Nebraska kind of plugging forward, dealing with the injuries. Now they win three in a row. They've won four of their last five games. And now the question is can Nebraska potentially get into the NIT. So th- for me, the narrative roller coaster is might not win another game. Is Hoiberg going to survive this year to can Nebraska make the NIT? Quite the past month and a half for the narrative roller coaster, vibes roller coaster, all that stuff around Nebraska basketball. So uh, just really, really, really crazy to think about. So I wanted to lay that out. Next thing I want to talk about is Kese Tominaga. I mean, five straight 20-point games now. Uh, He's averaging, what, like 23 a game over the last two weeks? I mean, what's amazing is so in 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 the Maryland game, he only had 20 points, but that was an impressive 20 points in my opinion because, and the reason I say that was to me the mark of a good scorer is someone where you feel like they were just okay and they still got 20. Like, I didn't think Tominaga was great against Maryland. He was good. I didn't think he was great. Wasn't as good as he was in some of these other, the Penn State game or the or the Rutgers game. But it's pretty amazing when someone can feel like, yeah, they were, they were good today, they weren't great, and they still get 20. That's a mark of a, score, a good score. The other mark of a good score is... When a team is basically face guarding you, trying to not even let you catch the ball and you still get 20, pretty good score. And also, for a guy who is a three-point shooter, he was actually kind of cold from three. Only was two of six from three, and he still got 20. So he's not one of those guys like, you know, like Ethan Roggy at Nebraska or at Creighton was one of those guys. Like if, if Ethan scored 21 points, he hit seven threes. Right, like he he was not going to get there. There's going to be no variety to how he scores. Tominaga is a little more diverse than people want to think he is. So, you know, Tominaga is such a unique player. I was I was thinking about him in prepping for this game and on where he's on this heater right now, and I I was thinking about this on my flight. So I had UConn Seton Hall Seton Hall at UConn on on Saturday on Fox, and so then I had to catch a flight get back to Nebraska. Uh, on late Saturday night to be able to do the the Nebraska game 
in, in Maryland on, on Sunday. And, I, and I'm watching film on my flights. And I'm just thinking about Tominaga. And I, and I kind of arrived at this. You know, nowadays in basketball, every, everything players defend is out of ball screens or one-on-one isos. That's kind of where basketball has gravitated towards, where everything you defend is ball screens and isos. But Tominaga is different. He doesn't really do anything out of a ball screen or an iso. He's all off-ball movement. It's all activity away from the ball, running off staggered screens, running off triple screens, handoffs, single pin downs, backdoor cuts. It's all off-ball movement stuff. And a lot of defenders aren't totally used to guarding guys who exclusively do that. Tominaga is the type of player who can score 25 points and take like five dribbles. He's a little like Clay Thompson in that regard, where it's all off-ball cuts, handoffs, pin-downs, staggers, catch-shoot. Like the most he'll dribble is if you run him off the three-point line, he takes two, three dribbles, and he's at the basket. Or he's got to take one dribble after he cut a backdoor cut to get it up and in. Like, Tominaga's not going to catch it, pound it, pound it, between the legs, between the legs, between the legs, pound it, cross, 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 pull up. Like, that's not his game. In fact, like, you'd never see Tominaga rarely, if ever, takes, like, more than three dribbles at a time. So he's unique to guard in that in that way. So these these defensive stoppers on these other teams... These other Big Ten teams that are used to guarding guys in ball screens and guarding guys in one-on-one situations. All of a sudden, you're dealing with a guy that it's it's all off-ball movement. So he's a little unique in that regard. But man, is he elite in that way. Off the ball, cutting and moving. So he's, he's, a, he's a different type of guy to guard. And what makes Tominaga even more tough to guard and explosive is number one, everybody on Nebraska's team when they're on the floor, they're head hunting his guy and screening to get him open. It is the number one priority in this offense right now. Get Tominaga a shot. Go screen his guy. Head hunt, put a body on Tominaga's guy. And then number two, Tominaga's got a big man in Derek Walker who is excellent at reading and passing from the high post. Walker and Tominaga have not good chemistry, great chemistry. Those little backdoor passes that Walker's throwing to Tominaga from you know the high post elbow area, those aren't necessarily easy passes to make. There's an anticipation element to them. You got to lead Tominaga perfectly. You got to have enough zip on them, but they got to be catchable balls. So without Walker, things just aren't as effective because a part of what makes Tominaga so hard is that he he can't backdoor cut you and go get a layup. So you can't necessarily just get on top of him, meaning on top being, you know, in between, say Walker's got the ball at the top of the key, Tominaga's in the left corner. You can't just get in between Walker and Tominaga and you know, get above him on the high side because he'll backdoor you and get a layup. 
But not every big man is capable of doing what Derek Walker does in those situations. So those those two things, everybody on Nebraska headhunting and trying to screen him and get him open, combined with Walker's ability to make teams pay for overplaying, make, make Tominaga even more explosive. But man, what the, the heater that Tominaga is on right now is really special. And it, it's one of those things that he's an easy guy to dismiss. I know I did for most of last year and earlier this year. When you see him in person, he is not a very impressive-looking person in person. In terms of you know their size, their build, their athleticism, he's barely six feet tall. He's got short arms. Uh, he's not a vertical or explosive athlete at all, but he's just good at basketball. He just knows how to play. He knows how to score. He knows how to get himself open, and obviously, he's a special shooter. And I was talking to... Hoiberg at, at shoot around and I was trying to be like what do you attribute a lot of this to because I asked him it's like is it in three on three because he was in the the he was in the Olympics for three on three for Japan I'm like it is three on three did it, did that help him with learning how to move and stuff and he was like no he, he was like yeah maybe he he then told me Hoiberg was like I think it's just the stage of being playing in the Olympics, three-on-three representing Japan, and then playing on his Japan national team has done wonders for Tominaga. said he's been on the biggest stages. He's, you know, he had, what, 33 on on the Australian national team this summer, like some real players on on the floor. Like, he's confident, he's battle-tested, he's big on, been on big stages. Like, I think Tominaga's the kind of guy that looks at Maryland and is like, I've played in the Olympics, dude. Like, why am I afraid of Maryland? Or he goes, you go to Rutgers. To him, this is maybe where being foreign is like a blessing in disguise. He's like, why? Or going to Michigan State or to Michigan or whatever. It's just like, I, I don't, I, you know what? I, I've played on the Japan national team. I played against the Australian national team. I played in the Olympics. Like, why am I worried about Rutgers? Why should I be shaking in my boots over, you know, Kevin Willard and Maryland coming to town? And, oh, and by the way, with Tominaga, he's the most popular guy in the team with the fans. Like the roar Tominaga got from the crowd on on during the starting lineups, it was definitely the biggest and loudest roar. The crowd really reacts to Tominaga when he scores, does anything. There's an electricity that 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 goes through the arena. You know, not everybody that makes a shot or does something. There's not that jolt of electricity that goes through the arena. When Tominaga hits a three or does anything, there's, there is a bolt of electricity. So he's been remarkable to watch. Maybe the most remarkable thing, though, is Sam Hoiberg. Here is a kid. He got 10 DNPs this year. 10, where he never played, never got in the game. And... All the other games that he got in prior to these injuries and the and him having to get thrusted into the lineup for that Northwestern game on January 25th, and then he's been in the rotation after that. All the other games before January 25th would mop up time, you know, two, final minute and a half, you're in the game, whatever. So let's just call it, basically he hasn't played. 
The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go onto Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. But after all of these injuries, he's he's gotten thrown out there and played real crunch time minutes in Big Ten games. And guess what? He's been a real player out there. Think about that. Imagine someone telling you before the season started that Nebraska would be closing out Big Ten games in February with Sam Hoiberg on the floor. You'd have been like, what? Sam Hoiberg is defending the other team's best guard in crunch time in a Big Ten game. He was guarding Jameer Young. Game on the line, Young trying to win it one-on-one. It's Hoiberg on him. He's defending in crunch time. He's hitting big threes in crunch time. He's taking clutch charges in crunch time. And oh, by the way, he makes the the clutch game ceiling slash winning steal in overtime running through the the passing lane on the sideline out of bounds to go seal the win. Unbelievable. Walk on. He was he was good in high school. He wasn't like amazing in high school. But he's strong. He's tough. He knows how to play. Coach's kid, obviously. But I just, it is amazing to think that here's a dude that sat on the bench all year and he has come in in the middle of the season and played with a ridiculously high level of confidence and comfort. Nebraska doesn't win that Maryland game without Sam Hoiberg. It, they don't. And I just, I don't, it's, I have a great deal of respect for what Hoiberg is doing. Uh, I'm, I'm almost, I'm rendered almost speechless by what, what Sam Hoiberg's doing. He was amazing. Next thought I had. Nebraska appears to finally have a standard and a culture of toughness and fight. It, it, it seems like it's, it's getting forged right before our eyes. And that is something, that culture, that standard of toughness and fight, that is something that has eluded this team and program for the first three years under Fred Hoiberg, especially last year. There was not a standard of toughness and competitiveness and fight that you had to uphold. There just wasn't. But this team is legitimately tough. And you can see, you can see that standard regardless of who is in. There's a standard that they're going to play to. To a man, Greasel, Walker, Hoiberg, Lawrence, Kata, like Breidenbach, they're all incredibly tough, hard-nosed dudes. Like if if a ball, there's a loose ball 
all those guys are diving on that thing, right? Blaze Kata taking a big charge, doing a good job you know, on a bum ankle, hurts his ankle. Hoiberg took a charge. Griso looked like he almost effed up his shoulder diving on a loose ball. Like these guys are, I mean, they're, they're Tominaga gets a great block out and gets an over the back foul. Like go last year, like the amount of times there'd be nobody boxing out. Nobody. So it's just fun to watch, like before our eyes, a standard and a, a culture of toughness and fight being forged. We got to talk about Derek Walker because he's amazingly good. He's the best player on the floor in that Maryland game. It wasn't even close. Twenty three points, six assists, five rebounds. He's just so, his point center, point guard center ability is so impressive. When Nebraska runs that five-out action and he has the ball in the middle of the floor, he's lethal there. He's lethal because he can do so many things. He can pass like we just talked about with those Tominaga back doors. And he can dribble drive you. So he's got it about 18 feet. He's got action on both sides where he can you know, go into a handoff, he can hit a back door, whatever. But a lot of that stuff is window dressing to get the occupy the other help defenders. So now he's got all of the lane, the the painted area to drive it. And nobody can really guard him. So he's just an, a, a really unique five man that Hoiberg has totally figured out how to use perfectly. Fred Hoiberg has completely figured out how to use Derek Walker to the best of his abilities. So I'm a huge Walker fan. He was excellent against Maryland, and he's one of the most unique players to watch. He's he's not your 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 normal Big Ten big guy. He's different. He's not like Edie. He's not like Hunter Dickinson like that. You know, he's different. We got to talk about Sam Greasel because I think, you know, Sam Greasel has somewhat become the, he's not the forgotten key cog, but he's not, he was kind of the face of the team early on in the year. And then as the season progress, has progressed and Tominaga has, has gone completely volcano on a volcano on people and just lighting it up. And then Derek Walker being so good. And then you, you get those two guys along with the fun story of Sam Hoiberg and all that stuff. Like, it's all of a sudden all of that's eaten up a lot of the oxygen in the room for Nebraska to where Greasel's not not been as top of mind. But I was thinking about Greasel, and the one thing that I think Sam Greasel has provided that was very much needed for this program was legitimate pride. Pride in rocking Nebraska across your chest. Like I, I've said this, I think Gary and Bandamel established the toughness. They infused that toughness. I think they're just inherently tough people. Like those, that's who those guys are. But to me, Sam Greasel has infused pride. Have some pride. Be proud of playing for Nebraska. Because you can tell this means a lot to Greasel. And I think that is contagious to everyone else. When, you know, one of the more underrated things with leaders is like pe the people you are leading, whatever you care about, they will care about. 
And if they can feel you really care, it's probably pretty hard for them not to care. If you value this, they're going to value that. And I just think you can feel the pride and how much Sam Griesel cares about Nebraska. You can feel that when he's playing. And I think those other guys sense it. And it becomes contagious to them. That's where you can poo-poo like the local kid thing. Like, ah, oh, well, I don't know why people get so caught up in local recruits, all this stuff. I mean, the reality is, and it's just how it's just how it is. Sam Greasel is going to care more about, care just a little bit more than maybe, you know, C.J. Wilcher is. C.J. Wilcher is from Jersey. I'm not saying you go load up on all Nebraska kids, but there, there's value. The, one of the values in having local kids on your team is that pride element. I know I've felt that at Creighton. I know play with Dotzler, me, Jimmy Motes, go on to Antoine Young, Josh Jones, Justin Patton. Like, it just, you know, when you're in your home state, it's just, you know, there's a little extra layer to it. But he's extremely important to this team tangibly as well. I mean, you saw what things looked like when Greaser was in foul trouble against Maryland. Like, th- things slipped fast. Where the game flipped was that. Greasel and Walker got in foul trouble, but Greasel in particular, his void on the floor, oh boy, ball handling was a major issue. So I'm just saying, like, we need to remind ourselves, like, Greasel's a really important key cock. Speaking of that that foul trouble thing, like, it, you, you could tell, like, when you watch this team, like, their margin for error is really slim. And when it slips, it really slips. Walker and Greasel get into foul trouble, and all of a sudden they're not on the floor, and it was a code red out there. Regardless of how hard those other guys are fighting, there still is a non-negotiable level of like talent that needs to be out there. You know, for as for as hard as Sam Hoiberg is playing, you can't have five Sam Hoibergs out there. You're going to lose. Now you need a, one Sam Hoiberg out there is getting it done. But I was thinking about that that small margin for error, and it was, I I noticed it big time in in watching the in the the Rutgers game on film. I think there's something too when the players know that their margin for error is really thin, which they know. They I mean those guys, Jamarcus Lawrence, Kada, C.J. Wilcher, uh, you know Walker Greasel, all those guys, Hoiberg, they all know when they're out there. They got a razor thin margin for error, and it keeps you sharp. It keeps you locked in. It keeps the fight high. It keeps the urgency high because they probably all know if we don't bring it and be unbelievably locked in, we're going to get not just beat, we're probably going to get rocked. So I do think it, the the shorthanded nature has caused everybody to lock in more. The other thing that Fred Hoiberg's done a nice job managing the defensive side of the ball after Gary and Bandamel's injuries. Like he he's now become a a team that they switch defenses, they mix defenses up, they keep you off balance in that regard. Instead of being straight man to man for 40 minutes, that's kind of how they were with Gary and Bandamel and when they were at full strength, they were going to they were cuz they when you feel really good about what you do, you can say, "Here's what we do, deal with it." And you can give someone the same look for 40 minutes. 
But when you're when that's not great, sometimes you need to switch things up to keep teams off balance. And that's what Fred Hoiberg's doing now. More one three one, a little more two three. There's certain some certainly some man to man, trapping the post, packing the paint, like Hoiberg knows that his straight man-to-man isn't good enough to just do that for the entire game, so he's he's mixed it up. He's keeping teams off balances with, with different looks defensively, which has been really, really good. Again, the other thing, the, the fans were electric in the, in, in the game, in the Maryland game. So, uh, some people have said it was the best environment of the season. It was rocking in PB, PBA for Penn State and Wisconsin as well. Uh, but, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that Trev Alberts is going to keep Fred Hoiberg. But I just want to drive home that point that Trev has made about the team resonating with the fan base. I think that's real, and I think it matters to Trev. Like, there's a reason butts are in seats right now. And to piggyback off that point of the team resonating, I know for me, I enjoy watching this team play. And I will tell you, I think you've gathered this by now, I didn't enjoy watching last year's team play at all. But this year's team is is fun to watch. This team plays with toughness, great effort, and with a collective purpose. And that toughness and purpose matter to me. You can see the plan on both ends of the floor. Right? You don't have to be, you know, a FS1 analyst or Dr. James Naismith or Greg Popovich or Coach K or Jay Wright to watch Nebraska play and be like, it's a, I see the plan and the purpose crystal clear. It is crystal clear and they play to it. And like I said, this team is, is tough. And there's a standard in that department where last year's team played like an AAU team. They played like a team that was playing the 8 a.m. 8 a.m. game in the auxiliary gym, and they knew they had another game at 11. That was how they played like fucking conference games last year. We're like, ah, whatever. We got to get another game in three hours. There were times where last year's teams, it looked like a pickup game. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza and the cold winter months. It's officially here. And as a warm weather lover myself, the cold can kind of bum me out. But the one thing that always puts a huge smile on my face when it gets cold, temperature Tuesdays at Runza. Yes, it's that time of the year. Temperature Tuesdays are back at Runza, where every Tuesday in January and February, the 6 a.m. temperature at the coldest Runza location is the price you'll pay for an original Runza sandwich when you buy a medium fry and medium drink. Think about it. An original Runza sandwich might be 10 cents. A dime, might be a nickel, might be a quarter. Heck, might even be one penny. Just one penny. So make sure you take advantage of this incredible deal every single Tuesday at Runza where the temp at 6 a.m. in Runzaland is the price you pay for an original Runza sandwich and you buy a medium fry and a medium drink. It's back, baby. Temperature Tuesdays. Runza makes it all better. But this year's team is totally different. They really execute on both ends of the floor. They are connected and have a clear purpose to what they are doing. 
Defensively, they're switching things up now, but they're trying to have a no middle drive. If they're they're trying to keep things to the baseline, they're going to really load to the ball when things drive to the middle of the lane or to the baseline. They're going to trap the post most of the times from the baseline. They're going to really scramble out of it. They're going to mix in some 1-3-1. They're going to mix in some 2-3. Offensively, they're going to run five out. Walker's going to have the ball, triggering a lot of things at the top of the key. You're going to get a lot of zoom action, which is, you know, handoff, downscreen handoffs, backdoors, staggers. Like, it's crystal clear. We're going to Derek Walker's point forward. We're going to post Greasel a little bit. We're going to run Tominaga off a handful of staggers. Everybody's going to be headhunting Tominaga. Like, it's it's clear. It is clear. And when you combine that with great effort and great fight, that's fun to watch, regardless of the fact that, yeah, there are times massive scoring droughts can ensue. Because that's a little bit with the personnel. And speaking of that, you can't tell me that Fred Hoiberg isn't maximizing this current roster right now. No Gary, no Bandamel. I mean, think about this. To close out the game for the majority of crunch time against Maryland, to close out the game... For the majority of the time, in crunch time against Maryland, Fred Hoiberg had on the floor a North Dakota State transfer, two junior college transfers, one walk-on, and a Tennessee transfer. You can't tell me Hoiberg isn't getting the most out of each and every one of those guys. Sam Griesel, Derek Walker, Tominaga, totally maximizing their talents. Totally putting them in the right positions for them to be successful. Sam Hoiberg, maximizing. Jamarcus Lawrence, true freshman, maximizing. Blaze Kata, Juco transfer with a hobbled bum ankle, maximizing. Just impressive. So, you know, and... You know, to kind of wrap this thing up, like Nebraska basketball is just, it's fun right now. And more often than not, over the course of the last, for sure, three years, but off and on over the last 10 to 20 years, more often than not, Nebraska basketball, especially this time of year, has been just kind of depressing. And I love good basketball. And even though I'm a Creighton grad, I have always wanted Nebraska to be good along with Creighton. Because being a basketball lover, lover first, I love it. With Nebraska being good, it lifts the whole state up. Like, right now, this state has basketball fever. I mean, Creighton's rolling, top 20 team. They have a chance to win the Big East regular season title. They got a huge game against Marquette at home on Tuesday night. I'll be on the call again with Kevin Kugler for that one. The There was the top 16 NCAA tournament committee reveal on Saturday and Creighton was just on the outside of of the top 16 so they could potentially play their way into a four seed if they finish this season strong like Creighton's situation is there's a lot of exciting things going on and Nebraska's got some mojo right now. Four and one in the last five. Three wins in a row. Tominaga's on fire. You got a Lincoln kid leading you and Sam Greasley. How about the walk-on Sam Hoiberg coming in there and fighting his ass off? You got a point forward in Derek Walker, who's one of the most interesting players to watch. And one of the shining examples of player development at Nebraska. Pinnacle Bank Arena's rocking. Like, I love it. I really do. So I am a happy guy right now. I had a blast calling that Maryland-Nebraska game. It was one of the more fun games I've done all year. 
And now I get to do another fun one on Tuesday night in Omaha with Creighton and Marquette. Arguably the biggest biggies game of the year. It's all happening in this 50-mile radius here. And I cannot wait to be in the CHI Health Center in Omaha on Tuesday night. It is going to be Mount St. Helens volcanic in there. It is going to be crazy for Creighton Marquette. I can't wait to be in there. So I am just, I'm a happy guy. Nebraska's interesting and fun right now. Creighton, they got, they are awesome right now. So there you go. Honestly, I sat down. I didn't even know what to say about Nebraska, so I just treated this like an open journal and diary here. So many thoughts as to what we are seeing. Hopefully, Fred Hoiberg and the crew can keep it rolling. Got a week off now. They get two more home games after that. Minnesota at Pinnacle Bank Arena, very winnable. Michigan State at Pinnacle Bank Arena, I think very winnable. Then at Iowa, another game I think Nebraska could get. But we'll see. Let's just enjoy this team in the moment, right? Because these guys are fighting their tails off, and Hoiberg is coaching his ass off too. So there you go. I got a little, I got a drink here. Let me just cheers to everybody. Cheers to in-state hoops. Love it. A Heard at Sports Network production.